folks. Uh, we were at the Hateful Eight premiere and fortunately got to hear Robert Richardson, Oscar-winning cinematographer, speak because he is the director of photography for The Hateful Eight, as yep. well as many of Tarantino's films, including Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill 1, one and, and two. 2. He's uh, he did he, Casino for Scorsese. He did The Ave- Aviator for Scorsese. He did Snow Falling on Cedars. He did Shutter Island, Eat, Pray, Love, Hugo, World War Z. Uh, well, he was uncredited for that. I don't know what that means. Kind of goes on, like way Salvador, back. Salvador, yeah. which is a really amazing film if you've never seen it. Um, Eight Men Out, also. I mean, the guy's a legend. The Doors. Yep. He did the Doors. The doors yeah. yeah, he goes way back. Born on the Fourth of July, JFK, A Few Good Men, Heaven it's and incredible. Earth, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, this guy's the real deal. Uh, and we he had some really interesting things to say. And about here the they film. are. Yeah, so here they are. Without further ado, <laughs> Robert Richardson. So let's get to the Hateful Eight. Marvelous, marvelous movie. Um, Ultra Panavision. It's been dormant for almost 50 years. Hadn't been used since the 60s. There was only 10 movies ever made, uh, including Ben-Hur and Mutiny on the Bounty. What got you guys uh, interested in resurrecting this format? Well, that was actually a... Uh, I took the wrong turn. <laughs> I had the... Uh, we were going to shoot in 65mm, but we were told that the uh, ultra-panavision lenses weren't in existence or not capable of shooting with so I was with Dan Sasaki looking at the lenses we did set up, and while he was setting up the lens, I walked through a curtain with Gregor Tavener, who was a camera assistant. And uh, on a wall in the back, on some shelves, were these very funky-looking lenses. And I said, what are these, Gregor? Gregor goes, well, that's ultra-panavision. I said, I thought there weren't any. And there were quite a few of them. So... They never throw anything away, do they? <laughs> they don't throw it away. And Dan Sasaki walked back, and he had ear-to-ear grin. He was just like, oh, my God. I said, where is Dan? Do they work? He said, well, we haven't put them up in a long time. I said, can you put one up? So we put one up, and I looked at it on the, on the framing charts, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I said, can we use it? Can we get enough lenses to make this? He said, I don't know whether we can I said, don't tell Bob Harvey my thoughts. Okay, I don't want to be here by now, by the way. Bob Harvey, you're here. So, secrets out. Secrets out. So I said, don't tell him. I want to have a meeting tomorrow. We'll have a discussion about this. Well, I came into the room the following morning. Bob was there. Everyone was there in the room from Panavision. And they said before I sat down, we're 100% behind this. Wow. And it was like, there's no question. We're behind him. Bob was absolutely like a key keep getting it done. Uh, it's amazing, the grain, the color, it just sort of draws you in, you know? I mean, yeah, I don't know if you know, the lenses are, are quite distinct. They're, uh, some of them were prism lenses, so they had a very odd shape, some more cylindrical, which is a current design of lenses, but uh, it was, it was uh, an absolute pleasure to work with them. Well, I know you tested extensively. Can you tell us a little bit about the testing? Well, the testing, I did testing on both four, both lenses, so I could see if it didn't, I couldn't guarantee that, no one could guarantee that you get the ultra panavision lenses ready. So I shot, I flew, we flew to Telluride and shot in many of the places we were thinking about shooting and uh, shot landscape spaces with both sets of lenses. And uh, after the first test, 
I don't think there was a question within Antigen or in my own heart that that was the proper choice to go. But the safe route was to continue to uh, protect both until I knew, and I did tell Quentin that we had these lenses. Ah. Uh, until I got to a point where I felt, all right, I can, I can bring it up to him because I don't want to break his heart. And when I brought it up to him, I said, we have an opportunity here, but it may not happen. To use ultra pandemission. He goes, sit around? <laughs> said, well, kind of sit around, but that's another name. But yeah, that, that's the basic approach. 276. So we're going to go for it. And uh, Panagen put everything behind it and did a phenomenal job. And uh, you had needed assistance from other companies too. Uh, Kodak. Kodak actually was stop- I had stopped making, that was the end of 65 when we came aboard. And uh, Lorette, who's here in the audience today and represents Kodak, helped uh, to get them on board very early and they started to build to make 65 fours. And Photochem? Not like they had a lot of choice where to go, but (laughs) my favorite lab. The only lab to go to is uh, for film right now is Photochem. And they did an unbelievable job as well. Now they've been doing enough 65 millimeter for IMAX. IMAX. So uh, it it was, we were in capable hands. They did a fantastic job. Now, that's a pretty fat film, 65 millimeter, and a thousand foot roll must go through the camera really quick, but three minutes or something like that? No, it's actually closer to nine, uh, using oh. more IMAX. Okay. That's the speed of that. Yeah, so you have nine minutes, and then what we had, though, is, as you can tell by Quinn's dialogue, it goes on for a while, and he went on longer takes, so we tried to get a 2,000 foot magazine made, and for Kodak to develop 2,000 foot loads. They went and built... 2,000-foot loads for you. They, uh, and Mac and Panavision made the magazines. Panavision created a magazine for 2,000 feet. We found the motor couldn't quite handle 2,000, so it ended up at 1,800-foot rolls. Yeah, and you did some high speed, too. Yeah, you, did, you saw the high speed, yeah. You did it was as fast as you could crank it. As fast as the cameras go. <laughs> what was it like working in the cold? Must have been quite well, that was, that was a challenge. That was a challenge, but I, I give a great deal of credit again to Hamilton and Gregor Tabernard at AC. They created the capability of these machines to be able to withstand these very low temperatures. And sometimes in the mornings it would be 10 or 12 below zero. And uh, by midday it would change. It, it was a, it's been a dry season, as you all know, so well, that was a dry season. There wasn't a lot of snow. We were there primarily to do the exterior work. An original plan was to stay there and only shoot one half of the haberdashery. And that was the haberdashery facing out to the door. The other half was going to be shot on a stage here. Bit by bit, it turned from one half into, okay, well, we're going to co- uh, include Joe Gage's corner. All right, we're going to keep the kitchen in now. All right, kitchen's sticking. But we'll leave, we won't put it in the fireplace. Once I heard the fireplace was coming in, I knew basically I was shooting on a practical set. So half the film, or a percentage of it, is shot on location in a practical set with no removable walls. And where is that? That was in Telluride. And then you came back and built matching sets on stage? The same building was built here on uh, the red stages. How did you get their breadth to show? Quinton had a fleet of air conditioners. Oh, to make the stage Outside. cold. It was colder on stage than it was on location. <laughs> it was so moist too, because you get the breath, you have to be at the right dew point. So it wasn't it was it was nasty. We were all trying to hide the air conditioners. It was like, take that tube, 
out of here. Like, even actors were begging to shut it off. And some people sabotaged. There were people pulling them, putting holes in them. It was just that cold. It was miserable, miserable. You've got blankets on the camera to keep those warm. They had heat they cold in there. That's a lot, that's a lot of work. Uh, how about visual effects? Were there a lot of visual effects on the movie? The visual effects of the movie are for the windows, when we were on stage primarily, and we had uh, an error on with our lenses shooting the second carriage sequence, uh, and so we lost, uh, one of the elements fell out, so we lost focus, so we had to reshoot, and we reshot on the stage, and that had a blue screen. Now, um, but in the stage, stage, was that a cutaway? Uh, what, excuse me? The stage, uh, the stage yeah. coach was sliced. Okay. You do it from one side, or you go the other side, you pull out the panels. But it was all shot practically on location with a, a camera car, essentially, and towing it. Okay, so you're backed up on the camera car, driving down the road. Driving down the road. In the middle of Tally, right? Um, I know you like to move the camera, at least you did with Scorsese. He loves to move the camera. Uh, but there's no putting that camera on steady cam. No, it, actually we probably could have, but I think it would have maxed out the very edge of it. It would have had to go with a small load and, and an MOS camera. And um, no handheld. At least not very practical. Not for me. I also broke my back in the show, so... Seriously? Yeah, I was skiing with a friend. And she did it. But. So how did you support the camera? Because uh, there was no Yeah, no, it's quite good. We did a lot of crane work. I worked a lot. We, uh, I've fallen in love with the crane. Um, I like to ride. I don't necessarily want it on a technocrane unless a technocrane or a remote head is going to in some way enhance it in a way that uh, I can't achieve if I'm riding. I prefer to look through a lens at somebody. It's organic. Okay. And now look at a monitor. Even though with digital, you know, you're looking at a monitor in your eyepiece. A lot of the guys that I start working with, because the show I'm working with now is called Live By Night, we're shooting with the Aerialex, uh, I mean the Area 65. Oh. With Panavision lenses, uh, vintage Panavision. They did a nice job of working that out. Well, that's an interesting comparison that only you can make, having shot both of those formats. Um, how much did the camera weigh, do you remember? Uh, I think they closed in on 90 with film loads. Oh, that's not so bad. I thought it was worse. I think it's around that. Um, I might be wrong, though. Don't quote me. Very, very wide frame, that format. Two, seven, six to one? Yes. Well, it's obviously great for the panoramic scenes, but what do you think, uh, how did you adapt it to shooting narrative well, dialogue scenes? You saw it. I, I love the fact that you can see so many characters in a scene. Um, they're almost always there. There's eight characters. They're virtually always visible. Even in a medium shot, you have the sense of who's somewhere else in the room. So you don't lose that. And that's what I, I, I felt, that's why I felt it worked quite well. I mean, Quentin is the reason we made 276 and well, It was his desire. And I'm not the type of DP that would say, I'm not going to do that. Not only did I, would I not say that, I look so forward to actually shooting 65 millimeter because I think it's a once in a lifetime. This film was also not, uh, it was chemically finished. In other words, there's not a, it's not scanned and put back onto film. Negative was cut? Negative was cut. It was edited on a, a flatbed. Uh, they did have added, but they did a lot of work on it. Uh, and so, it's all, I don't know how many of you that are younger do uh, have, have done a film. Uh, it's, a, it's a laborious process. 
You know, it's like a call out, point of density, two points of density, a little yellow. It isn't like you can go in and circle somebody and, oh, we're gonna make it a little bit brighter, make that wall a little darker. You're forced to be able to do it on, you have to do it on set. So it's essentially what you see in cameras, what you've got here. I noticed um, that the white format was really well used one time when they, you had a close-up of two people. It was a two-shot, two-shot close-up, and they're both doing interesting things, you know, and you're watching back and forth, and they weren't relating to each other, but yes. there was a lot going on. And then I saw another time where it seemed like it was hard to get the person that wasn't supposed to be the center of attention out of the frame. That was a little hard, too. Those are both in the stagecoach. Yeah. That's a true statement. Yeah. <laughs> you were, that was your battle then, huh? No, my battle, that, battle was um, how to light. Ah. Tell me about that. It's very different. It had a low ceiling. It had those wooden wooden tops. So when you have a lens that shoots a medium shot, like and they had odd numbers. You understand the prism lens was a 57 millimeter, not a 50. And the close-up, my favorite close-up lens was 102. I don't know how they figured that number out, but that's we call it 102 and a 57. And uh, but it's hard in any of those shots to keep lights out. It's equivalent, you know, it's, it'd be like shooting the whole film as uh, some have, you know, with a 14 millimeter. Well, we're all really lucky today to have seen the first, uh, one of the first showings of the roadshow version of uh, the film. Um, the masses will see it digitally projected. Um, tell us about the roadshow concept. Well, that's a Quentin. He wanted to make it a, he wants to bring attention to the fact that clearly we're shooting on film, and film can be a great experience, unlike any that you have been given uh, the opportunity to experience thus far, which is why you have the, the prelude, but you also have an intermission. It, it, his thought is that you'll come in the theater, you'll have 7 millimeter, but you'll also have a booklet, and then that booklet will be notes about production, about cast, very similar to going to a play. Yeah, it was an experience rather than just going to. Yeah, it's just not going to the film and sitting there. And I think the intermission is a very interesting concept because it allows you to walk and talk and sit and consider and pee. And as well. <laughs> it's a long movie, but, but great. Um, how did you prepare for the road show? Did you have to color time the 70 millimeter different than the DCP? Or? No, the 70 millimeter was done uh, in the lab photo camp. It's, then once we graded it, it was, you know, it's been printed and uh, IPs have been IPIN, but also struck. Uh, then the uh, DCP was done. Uh, we did the roadshow as well, DCP, as well as what what Quentin has referred to as the mall version, which is is not going to have the intermission or the prelude. A few things have been cut down, so the only true experience for his film. Is to see it in a theater in the 70 millimeter. They have cut down the number of theaters, I understand now, from 100 to 50. Uh, not entirely certain what the reason is for that, but. Yeah, it's been pushed back to New Year's Day from Christmas. Then, no, no, right? it's still coming out of Christmas. Okay. Uh, it'll be in 100 theaters of Christmas, but okay. 50 of them will be DCP road shows. Uh, I'm sure you've had the experience, as I had many years ago, where you go to a smaller market and you see one of your films that you spent so much time and care color timing, and 
you see it in the, you know, after it's been circulating around the country and there's scratches and it's dim and, and, and it's out of focus like a little bit of change. Whatever had happened here a little bit, of course everybody understands that that's going to work. But do uh, you think that's going to happen with the sun? Are you worried about that? I, you know, I, I got used to that watching films. So yeah, it happens, right? Yeah, I actually don't go to, uh, I'm not willing to go to my movies. This is very rare that I actually look at my work. Hey, this, 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 you gave me a, I need some blood pressure medicine. <laughs> I started to sweat back there. Uh, well, let me ask you about the dailies process. That must have been uh, challenging. Everything was done, uh, was delivered in uh, 70 millimeter. All the dailies were screened for Quentin on location, entire ride, uh, for anyone in the crew who wanted to go. And all, all only select takes, clearly. And uh, which is something which is that's disappearing through select takes. The digital process with studios, like I'm working with uh, Warner Brothers, there are no matter whether you have select takes or not, they're not done with select takes. Everything you shoot is delivered to you, bad or good. So for me, for us, we were able to watch 70 millimeter and judge it every day. And so that was allowing us to correct the look of the film on a big screen, on a, on a fairly a decent screen. Beautiful. Um, can you tell us anything about your next project? Well, I'm working with Ben Affleck, uh, who's directing Live By Night. It's, uh, it's a gangster film uh, in the period of Prohibition. And with the Alexis 65? And with the Alexis 65. Well, it's not they call it the Air 65. Yeah. And you're using the, uh, the same, basically the same lenses? Or? No, we, are, we went with uh, cylindrical. <laughs> Uh, basically the uh, 220, not doing 276. Um, do you have a wrist? <laughs> not enough, but I have a lot of women to feed. <laughs> Ex-marriage and things like that. I resemble that remark. Uh, what did I not ask you that you'd like to share that would be interesting for the audience? I don't know. I think you did pretty good here. <laughs> Is there anything anybody wants to ask? I don't think we'll take too many questions, but let's just try a couple. I'll repeat them so that we can get them on the... You're close, we can hear you. Did you have a favorite shot, is a question. Yeah, in terms of a favorite shot, I, I, I think it would be one of the one uh, close-ups of Sam Jackson. I, I really love his shots, and I also love... The color of the vivid color of the red on what you said, the way the blood ca is captured. For me, the seven millimeter feels like a large version of Kodachrome. Just, I mean, saturated and full. No, no grain whatsoever, which is quite lovely. Um, it can be a little hard because I saw a couple shots I haven't seen, I've seen it before. I haven't seen it here before, it's in the but. Um, you can tell sometimes, oh, same issue with digital. I think we all know that we get worse. Well, actually, I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I'm learning some tricks. Want to share? Yeah, it's really lookup tables. Look, I, I love working with lookup tables. So that, that to me is altering the perspective I have on why. Ben, ben and I did tests for 35 millimeter anamorphic, the Alexa, and the Aries 65. And 
after the task was done, we both came to the same conclusion. Let's, let's go with the uh, Area 65. And it's primarily because I could do so much with the lookup tables. Yeah, we saw the great Panavision lenses. And the old Panavision lenses, which have a softer quality and a nice round-off, which, which helps the digital aspect of, uh, of, of HD go away and give you a closer to film emulation. But I, I'm not, I know you brought this up earlier, like, I don't believe that we need to emulate the digital film. I think that digital is digital and we need to embrace what it is and learn how to make it its own voice. Like with Hugo, I tried no film emulations at all. We just created a look. Whether it looks like film or not, that's for somebody else to decide. But um, I'm, I, I tried, I'm trying not to get that look. Like they say, oh, I'm going to go after film. I love film. I think it's the most beautiful. And we still have film. And so we still have it. We should hope to keep use it. film when you can. <laughs> you, yeah. And I would love to shoot every film. In, I would love to have shot this film doing a 70 millimeter. 65, but that was my one of my last questions. Is would you do it again? I would love to do it again. And would you recommend it to other people? For probably, if it's right, if it's right, or I think 65 is just if you love the look of the grain, you can get it projected. The big issue is projection. Because if you just if you're going to scan it, you're going to scan it 6K. Because you've got to get that level of resolution. And when you get that level of resolution, you're in a different, you're going to have a different image on the screen. But I think the format could easily work for anyone in any subject matter, in my opinion. I don't think it, I, this film could have been shot in 16 or 35 or 65. Quentin saw this had this concept, and we made landscapes out of faces. Great script, great acting. Great. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie.